Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today we're kicking off the fall 2017 season with our first impressions and initial recommendations for all of the shows we've started checking out. As usual, we'll be trying to narrow these down to a top 10 that we'll follow and review throughout the season. This episode is going to be the first part of two. Uh, we'll be covering shows that air from Sunday to Thursday. My name is Bcom, and I am severely depressed about Destiny 2's lack of incentive to play its endgame. Get it together, Bungie. And also with me is my depressed partner, Leo. Yes, I uh, am in complete agreement with you on that. It's uh, <laughs> so We just may take a quick second be- before we go on, but... Yeah, I think I heard the DCP podcast say it the best that like Bungie spent so much of their effort into making sure we had enough to do at the end of the game that they yeah. forgot to give us an incentive to do it. <laughs> yeah, this is this all stems from like a really great Reddit post on the Destiny subreddit that was mm-hmm. about like Bungie, we don't lack like content we just lack incentive to play that content because like even if you've just played like a little bit of the raid and like enough of the end game after these at this point like you probably have a 305 character and if you're a little bit more hardcore than that you probably have three 305 characters and at that point there's nothing else to do because there's no like incentive to get any of the guns because and you probably already have the best of the guns anyways yeah you are you probably already have guns that are perfect for every given situation so that's that's the issue and they haven't done much rebalancing uh and like i was talking about with you about this like briefly last week whereas like I'm shocked that there have been no like secret quests that have like popped up randomly out of nowhere over these first. Right. Like, I mean, our dailies are gone, but then there's speculation that you could do that with uh, Icor's. Uh, what are they called? Her meditations. Yeah. yeah, like go back through those missions and find like new things, mm-hmm. like find like dead ghosts in her old missions or something like learn more about the lore of the game and like where the expansions are going to go like yeah they really kind of dropped the ball on that side of the game yeah like, and finishing the, it uh, yeah. i feel like i definitely like random rolls and weapons a whole lot more than the static rolls but yeah bungie yeah. probably made that decision because it gives them a lot more control over what could possibly be the meta and the weapons they have the uh the pc version just came out yesterday so i was watching some people stream that and it does look really good but even then i'm just like yeah but i know where this all ends up and it ends up in a place where you're bored and have nothing to do (laughs) yeah outside of just playing for fun there's no reason to play yeah i've got so they they they've got some work to do with that we'll see I'm sure they're hearing it loud and clear. But we're here to talk about disappointing anime, not disappointing video games. (laughs) So uh, I thought we should start it off with Sundays. uh, Well, you picked one of the best. (laughs) Let's start this shit off right. First show, A Sister's All You Need, a.k.a. fucking cancel anime forever. Airing on Crunchyroll. The Japanese title is Omoto Sai Ireba I. Uh, the source is a light novel. Its studio is Silver Link. And the director is actually like pretty well known. Shin Onuma, who's directed like F, A Tale of Melodies and Memories, uh, Kokoro Connect, Rakudai Kishi no Calvary, uh, Watamote. I really like Watamote. <laughs> and maybe most importantly, Fate Kaliad Liner Prisma Ilya in this <laughs> case. So, uh... 
Yeah, for our reviews, uh, uh, like our little previews this uh, season, we're going to do like more just like overviews than we've done in the past. So we'll just jump right into it. It's not going to be like minute by minute uh, what's happening during the episode. Yeah, so, I, I don't think the listener nor do we want to sit here for four hours <laughs> an episode. <laughs> exactly. We'll probably end up doing it somehow anyway, but hopefully we won't. Uh, but yeah, this show is basically Aromanga Sensei again. Um, it's about a light novel author who is obsessed with emotos and fetishizes the shit out of them uh he was like a like he's kind of like a high school kid I mean, what is he like 18 or he might be 20 he might be out of high school actually supposedly mm. d- d- like despite being out of high school he and all of his friends look like middle schoolers or high schoolers so it doesn't yeah. really matter um but yeah the way this show opens is pretty insane uh it opens with a naked lolly on top of her brother who she's naked waking him up naked and then she's like come down to breakfast and then they eat breakfast at the table she's still naked eating breakfast there's also like a random girl you're character gonna leave out the there. whole saliva in the bed so oh, much saliva I, when she kisses him oh oh yeah she kisses him god fuck i forget i've forgotten so much since i blocked it out of my your, mind your brain did it for a reason but like it's not even the weirdest thing like like yeah okay like the little sister kisses him to wake him up and whatever but then like when they get to breakfast like well, first of all, before he goes down, he like he goes to like wash his face and he washes his face with his little sister's bath water that she just took a bath in. And he's mm-hmm. like narrating this to himself. And then he goes down to the breakfast table and he's like eating his he's eating cereal, I think, out of his sister's like milk. His sister, his little sister produces milk, apparently. And she's he's like, oh, it's so creamy and good. And then she pulls her panties like her freshly worn panties out of a parallel dimension in their kitchen and then gives him like wipes the milk off his like her brother's cheek and then he eats the panties and he's like oh my god my little sister's panties taste so good it's so bad (laughs) (laughs) oh and like his uh childhood friend or something who's supposed to be dead is at the breakfast table for whatever reason it's so so messed up so that's how this show starts like so like immediately like if you didn't like any of that like just drop the show like just drop it like because it's ridiculous it's like way beyond where it should go however there is a little bit of a twist in that this is not actually like what's happening in the show this is the main character of the show pitching his idea for a new light novel to his editor and this light light novel involves those characters where like the little brother is like eating his little sister's panties and making out with her naked and all this stuff and his editor like chews him out he's like that is a fucking ridiculous idea for a story like why the hell are you pitching this to me you idiot you insane kid but then uh, it's really just like kind of lampshading that the show is like having the editor say this is ridiculous because it's like they are making a show an anime that has this as its first scene so like this got passed by an editor at some point like <laughs> like in real life so it's it's like the fact that the editor in the story is saying it's ridiculous doesn't matter because they're making the show i only finished this episode for two reasons one the podcast number two shock value so I was like <laughs> what messed up shit is it gonna do now so the thing is like after the initial uh thing it kind of calms down a little bit like the the light novel author kid goes home and then he has a couple friends who come over um he also has a little brother who comes over and cooks quote, food unquote <laughs> yeah a little brother who looks exact looks basically like you know the trope where you draw a girl and call it a boy uh that's what his little brother is um 
uh, like very cute Emoto looking little brother uh, and the little brother like cooks food and then like the friends arrive and the friends are like other like authors basically like Aramanga sensei and there's one character in particular who is basically just like a mix of two characters from Aramanga sensei actually maybe three characters from Aramanga sensei like she basically looks like Sigiri she's got like purple hair uh, she's supposedly like 18 or 20 but that, that I don't buy that um because she's drawn, she's drawn as like a twelve-year-old, except for her breast. Basically, that's yep. like her character design. Um, so, but yeah, she is basically like Sagiri mixed with the girl who always says "dicks" uh, from Aramaki <laughs> Sensei, whose name I can't even remember. Like, I just call her Dicks Chan now because, like, she disappeared from that series after. And I know Dicks exactly who you're talking about, which is probably <laughs> yeah. the best part. And then she's also a little bit like uh, the other author, like the other lowly girl. What's her name? Like Alice? I can't remember what her name was in that series. God, I've wiped Aramaga Sensei from my memory. To be <laughs> fair, we were drinking through a lot of it. <laughs> so, yeah. But like true. she's she's basically a mix of all three of those characters. Cause she's always talking about like dicks. Uh, like in the second episode of the show, she's like always naked. I mean, it may, might be the third episode. I can't remember. Uh, and yeah. And then she's like Sigiri cause she's also like a little sister, but yeah, she's like constantly flirting with the main character in front of all their friends. Like she's constantly just like asking him to have sex with him with, with her have his dick for dessert. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like just ridiculous stuff like that. And uh, for some weird reason, even though they're both like adults, he refuses. Uh, apparently, you find out later that he rejected her in the past, but she still is trying to come on to him for some reason. Uh, so there's probably more there, but like I don't really care to find out what it is. It's just a ridiculous fetish. The other girl is kind of like a more prim and proper girl, but she also has a crush on the main character. So this is basically a harem. Uh, and then there's like a guy who's another author who hangs out with them and has no personality, kind of like that guy who gets introduced in Aramaga Sensei who has no personality and doesn't matter to the show whatsoever. It's the same thing. Oh, the guy's brother, the girl's brother. Yeah. Is it, are, is it a brother? Oh, oh, you're talking about Aramaga Sensei. Yes. The, yeah. the girl's brother. Yeah. In this show, I don't think he's like related to anybody. He's just, yeah, he's just there. Uh, so, yeah, like the main thing, I guess, to stick around for this show would be to see how they do the twist of like it turns out he actually has a little sister who is pretending to be a little brother obvious episode one if you ask me yeah oh it's very obvious by episode two at the very least like there's Mm. a shot of he's like he says something like like about how he wants a wishes he had a little sister and then the the camera like cuts to a an image of his little brother quote unquote naked in a bath (laughs) like and it's like yeah obviously it's like it could not be more obvious like so i don't know it may go the obvious route or it may go the route of maybe he knows that he has a little sister and he actually has been like hiding it because of how he feels about little sisters and doesn't want people to think that he's a creep as an author but i kind of highly doubt that i don't think he's not hiding it and he's (laughs) completely blunt about it yeah, so I, I don't think it's going to go that way. It's just it's just dumb. It is, so this is just trash. Like, this is just more trash. Uh, and, like, yeah, the big problem with part of the show was that it was just really boring in the first episode outside of all the shock value. Like, they did, like, a little, like, card game or something, and it was just completely boring. Oh, um, I completely blinked out at that part. Yeah, like, how could you not? It was, like, there was nothing interesting going on uh, for, like, the second half of that episode. Uh, so this show is just shock value. It's not particularly well animated or drawn or anything. It's just like Aramaga Sensei. Yeah, so. if we decide to do another drink your way through this season, this will. <laughs> this is the definitely the number one contender. So probably, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to the next show. Yeah. Better uh, show. So, yeah. Uh, do you want me to introduce this one? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, go for it. Anime Guitaris uh, airing on Crunchyroll. So this this is a original. The source is it is original. Uh, the studio is WAO World, who I've never really heard of. They haven't done much. Um, and the director is Kenshiro Mori, who I also don't think has done much, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have anything listed at least. Um, so yeah, this is a show about a girl named Minoa Asagaya who. Like, she wakes up, like, one morning, and she, like, vaguely remembers this old anime that she was kind of, like, dreaming about. And, like, it has, like, a lot of, like, parts from, like, old anime involved in it. Like, it looks like a mix of, like, Gunbuster and Gundam and a bunch of other stuff, like, all rolled into one. And she's like, man, I don't know what that was, but I just remember really liking it when I was a little kid, and I can't remember. I want to say when you're watching this show, it'd be really fun to, like, uh, co-watch it with a couple people, and everybody Mm -hmm. writes down... uh, all the anime that you know yeah. that they just slightly changed the names of and just like see who guessed the most at the end. I think that would be <laughs> oh, really yeah. fun. Yeah. For, for like a hundred percent because this anime is about like basically forming an anime club and talking about anime. Um, so like when she gets to school, like, She's unsure about like what club she wants to join, blah, 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 basic start of a club anime. But another girl, there's like an Ojo-sama whose name is Arusu Kamigusa, uh, notices her talking to like one of her friends about the uh, the dream she had, about the anime that she remembers. And then she she's she's like the most popular girl in school, Arus, Arusu. And uh, so she invites Minoa to like talk to her after school. And when they talk, she's like, so I heard you were talking about anime. And then she just like starts gushing like otaku stuff, like <laughs> over enthusiastically at her about like, so do you like this show or this show or like Rue Zero? Or like she makes like references to like anime that just aired in the real life, like two seasons ago or something yeah. like so it's a very meta show. Uh, and like Minoa explains to her, though, like. I haven't watched anime for a really long time. I was just really curious about what that one old thing I watched was. Um, but she's also like so impressed by Arisu's enthusiasm that she's like, but we should go to somewhere where a lot of people like know like what anime are and then ask them if they could solve my problem. And so they go to like the anime club room. Um, but Arisu, when I get there, they see that it's empty and Arisu tells her like, yeah, it, the club is unactive. I thought about like, putting it back together but uh, we have to find more members and then so like yeah they did they basically decide like we're gonna find more members for this club uh and like that's basically episode one and so in episode two they basically do that they start building the club um also so there's like a little moment in episode two that made me really happy and it's like erisu has like a butler named sebastian who is just like a (laughs) badass ninja butler who's like there in like a millisecond if she needs anything kind of like thing going on yep and so like she gets to school and on the second day and like you know the butler opens the door and he's like manoa we're gonna have to hand out like flyers and stuff and then she like the, the butler like brings like a curtain that they can like get changed behind and like Typically in like anime these days, right? If two girls are getting changed, that they are going to show it for the fan service, like or almost at least always. the black outline through the curtain. Yeah, didn't exactly. even do it. 
No, like instead what they did was like they had the butler do this little dance and thing like in front of like the curtain. We just saw like their their faces and like thought bubbles as they're like getting changed. And it was really funny. I was like, oh, man, I actually appreciate that they did something different here rather than just like the typical garbage fan service. And then Um, they do a Haru Suzumiya reference. (laughs) Yeah, because they put her in the bunny girl outfit, which is funny. Uh, And then they hand out anime flyers. And like, so, yeah, a bunch of kids... Uh, who we briefly saw in like episode one and in like the OP and stuff, they start getting interested in the club. Uh, and so like in like the second half of the episode was an interesting thing because one of the girls who joins who has glasses and black hair and I think Leo's in love with already. Oh my God. Glasses and side <laughs> ponytail. Just yeah. kill me now. I'm done. <laughs> so her name is Koenji and she's really into reading light novels. Uh Whereas Erosu is like a huge anime fan and like an anime only watcher, basically. And, and so it, they actually. They, <laughs> yeah, what they did with the two is like really awesome. Like there's mm-hmm. some they're putting some thought behind what they write in this show. Well, basically what they did was the girl who likes the light novels only watches anime that is being made. That was the source material is a light novel. Right. But then the other girl wants to argue, you know, there's the other anime out there. You know, it's really awesome. And their argument is just really, really good. <coughs> and I think yeah, they, and I think the show wrote both of their uh, points of views very well. Like they both had positive, negatives, and whatnot. And then they wrap it up with uh, Minoa, you know, just basically settling this whole argument, which is really great. Yeah, and I, I just really liked that uh, they were arguing over like a fake show called Rue Zero, which is an obvious <laughs> reference to Rue Zero. And they're like, "Are you Team Emily or Am?" It was, oh man, like that obviously relates. Amelia it's and super Red. meta. <laughs> it's so meta. It's like I have seen these arguments on like Reddit and like my anime list and like all of these places and Twitter like over the past year. So it's so funny that like they're getting represented in this show in a realistic way. And yeah, I love the arguments between like the light novel reader who like always almost prefers the light novel and like man if you go into like the the r anime discussion threads for a light novel show it is always the same fucking thing at the beginning of the season because it's like people who the show is almost always typically like not like very good and then the light novel readers will just defend it to the end they're like oh no you wait like 10 volumes from now it gets so good and like the characters are so developed and it's like yeah no but it's not gonna happen if i have to go 10 volumes to get something good it's not worth it exactly it's not good then like (laughs) it's not good so uh yeah i'm so that was like the kind of argument they were having like they have between like the anime watcher and the light novel reader and all that stuff it was a an interesting thing to see portrayed in anime oh yeah 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 there's also a talking cat that's behind a (laughs) hidden locked door just yes. mysteriously in the room <laughs> and there's like a hat that Manoa like gets and like kind of like briefly takes over her brain at some point so there's like a little foreshadowing of like some kind of like freaky magical anime stuff going on yeah and the only scenes. the cat talks to Manoa so yes though I think somebody overhears her talking to the cat at some point I think it's like one of the guys but uh, uh we didn't really what's see. it the sixth guy who's like a douche the sixth guy is a love live fan which is so fucking funny to me i can't wait to see more of but him he's like because, the popular uh, guy in the school at the same time it's so weird yeah he's like a bishonen dude and he has like these love live pins all over his bag and i'm just like oh god but it's not called love live it's called something else i, I can't remember what it's, it was like dynamic beat or something like that i can't remember yeah it was really funny so yeah this is a really fun little meta show about an anime club uh, a little bit like genshi ken or something like that uh but a little cutesier i think so yeah ooh, ooh, can i do the next one 
Yes, it's a very long, in-depth review, but I'll let you do it. Okay, okay. Himoto Umura-chan R. Amazon Strike. The source is a manga. Studio uh, Doga Kobo. I'm not sure what they've done, but the director <laughs> is Masahiko Ota, who has done the first season in Gabriel Dropout, which I do know, which is pretty cool. And basically, the our collective synopsis is, nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just, I'm not interested in Moto Maru-chan. Like, it's just so annoying. <laughs> I did read the manga, and I did enjoy it for a while, and then mm-hmm. it just got old. Yeah, I, I could never finish the first season, and I, I watched a little bit of the first episode of this, and I was just like, nope, no thank you. Like, yeah, just, it's just basically a spoiled little brat <laughs> being taken care of by her older brother. Yeah, you can and it's it just like the, the spoiled brattiness part just annoys me too much to like continue watching. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like I, I the side characters are more interesting than our main character. <laughs> that's that's saying, yeah, something. probably, yeah. And she drinks so much coke and eats so many chips. Oh, she should be obese as hell. <laughs> yeah, that that pisses me off the most, probably, because I'm a person who's drank a lot of coke and eaten a lot of chips, and it definitely affected my weight. <laughs> No, you haven't a had the same more. results? Hmm. Interesting. No, I'm not like a supermodel, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's frustrating. Not to mention Coke is just so freaking bad for you. It's really bad. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't yeah. drink as much of it anymore. Yeah. It, it, honestly, you really shouldn't drink any of it. If you do any little bit of research, it should scare the shit out of you. <laughs> eh, my liver will filter that stuff out. <laughs> you say that as I hold a glass of whiskey in my left hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, let's move on to the next show, which is slightly better than Humoto Amaro-chan. Uh, <laughs> this one's called Children of the Whales, which is the Netflix show. So literally the only way you can watch this right now, unless you're in Japan, is basically illegally. Because it's not going to stream anywhere but Netflix. Um, but it is airing on television in Japan, so people will get the episodes uh, and, you know, sub them, put them up on streaming sites, essentially. So you will have to pirate to watch this show, which definitely goes into our thinking about whether we actually want to review it. Like a uh, Little Witch Academia was one of those where it was like, this show is too good to not review. Mm-hmm. So we had to do it. But uh, this one, I don't know, maybe on the edge. Uh, the Japanese title is Kudra no Kora Wasajo ni Utau. And the source is a manga. The studio is JC Staff. And the director is Kyohei Ishiguro, who directed Your Lie in April, which is promising. But he also directed Lance and Masks, which is not promising. And uh, Occultic Nine, which is like somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, so this show is interesting. It's it's set in the like this middle of a sea made of sand. Like not like a desert, because it's like literally like oceans that move of sand. Uh and there's like a small society of people who live on this thing called a mud whale in the middle of this ocean. Um, the main character is a boy named Chakuro, uh, who is basically like obsessed with writing things down. So they've made him like the archivist of this like small society. So he records their history, essentially. Did you say Chakuro? Chakuro. Yeah. Is that is that Taco Bell's new quesadilla with the Kit Kats or Twix inside him? I have not heard of this. Oh, this you have a real thing? Yeah, they they oh, uh, they no. have a quesadilla, and uh, it's only at select places at the moment. But you can either get like Twix or a Kit Kat on the inside. Oh so. my god! <laughs> Holy shit! Taco Bell to... actually has a long history of doing like weird stuff like this. So. Yeah, that's true. So you Taco said Bell's that, and crazy. it made me think of the Choco Taco. <laughs> 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 so my, the, you see my train of thought where it went. But sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Keep going with the anime. 
So our main character, Chaco Taco, is the archivist of the society. And um, so in this society, there are people who are either marked or unmarked. And the unmarked can live to like a ripe old age and be fine. But the marked, which I think is the majority of the people who are born, usually start to get weak and die around age 30. And everyone has this power they can use, which is called thymia, which is kind of like an inner chi that allows people to perform various types of like magical actions, basically. And so because of this, like the the society also has this very strong belief in repressing your emotions, uh, believing that like Mm -hmm. the gods of the Sandy Sea will drag you below if you show any emotion at all. But like Chakur Taco is pretty like emotional like he cries in the beginning of the show when he they're recording he's recording the events of like a funeral for somebody who's died um but in that way this the setup of the show is actually very similar to uh from the new world or shinsekai yori which was an you know an anime about like this kind of spiritual group of humans in the far-flung future who have powers but also need to really strictly control their emotions because when their powers get out of whack they start murdering people um so in the middle of the episode basically a drift land which is like an island in the sand uh moves close enough to their whale that they can go um take boats out there and like explore it essentially uh and when they get to the island chakuro and another girl named like somi go off on their own she's like a very cute moe anime girl like she doesn't really fit into the show very well in my opinion because she's just so moe like she's so typical anime but uh, they get separated and Chakuro finds like first he finds this little like squirrel like creature, which is very cute and is clearly going to be like a sidekick. Um, but and like hangs around him, but like somebody has been feeding it. And then he stumbles across this girl who as soon as you see her, you're like, OK, so that's the main girl of the show. because <laughs> She's got purple hair and like she's got like samurai swords by her. And, uh, like, yeah, he goes up to her and she looks like exhausted and like kind of like knocked out, but she wakes up when he approaches and asks if she's okay. And then she like goes to attack him with a sword, but he like stops her and then she faints and like falls on top of him essentially. Uh, and so he takes her back home and like, he, she's like, I found a person on the Island and everybody's like really freaked out because like, I guess they weren't even sure like most of them, if there was actually outside civilization beyond their mud whale. Though I think some of the elders of the place are aware that there are other people out there. Um, But they've been hiding that information, it seems, from some of the normal, like, younger kids. Um, But, like, when she comes to, uh, they start calling her Likos, which I think is a Greek word for wolf or something like that. Um, Mm, Sounds kind of like it would be, maybe. Yeah. And uh, because she she says she doesn't have a name, but it's embroidered on her shirt. Uh, So that's why they start calling her that name. And she's, like, brought before, like, the elders and Chakuro, like, spies on this because it's, like, a closed session. But they basically ask her, like, where did you come from? Were you dispatched from, like, the mainland or something? And she's, like, she keeps saying, like, I lack that knowledge. I lack this. I like that. I lack that. And they come to the conclusion that she's this thing called an apathoia, which is, like, another Greek word meaning, like, apathy. So, but she's basically somebody who does not have emotions. Um at all essentially Hmm. uh so meanwhile like the b plot of this episode is that there are like some people like on this mud whale who don't want to conform to society so they're basically criminals and they're kept in the bowels of this mud whale 
and they for some reason they can't use their thymia powers there so like that's why it's safe to keep them down there um but like they go down to release a few of them who have like served a long enough like sentence i guess i guess and like one of them is this man named oni and when he hears that like they found a new girl he like kind of like rushes up to that meeting and he kind of breaks in there like right after they the elders figure out she's an apatoya and like he grabs her and like jumps out the window window with her and grabs chakuro as well so like he grabs both of them jumps like hundreds of feet down like uses his thymia to stop them and he's like look i'm gonna go back to that island i'm gonna take her with me and we're gonna figure out like what's going on in the outside world do you want to come with me and chakuro who's like insanely just curious is like yeah i'll go with you so he they all that's how the episode ends they all go back to the island so yeah this felt extremely like from the new world if you've watched that show um i also really liked the ed it's got this like really calming beautifully sung song by this new artist i haven't heard of called rionos and uh it's just like this cute song sung over like images of endless oceans of sand, but it's just really nice. Um, and yeah, like the show intrigued me, but yeah, unfortunately it's on Netflix. So I don't know if we're going to like cover it. Um, maybe Leo, have you, have you haven't watched this first no, episode? I have not. Right? I need to, and I definitely will before we record the second part. Yeah. I was going to say before we record the second part, I'll watch like this, the next couple episodes and you can watch the next couple. And like, if it's, if it's so good, if we love it that much, maybe we'll cover it. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting show to watch. Oh, I didn't mention there's there's some pretty beautiful background art as well, done by like a like a pretty good background artist who has done like <laughs> I say pretty good. He's like pretty legendary. He's done like uh, Castle of Cagliostro's back art background art and like a bunch of other like famous things like Madoka Magica's background art. So mm-hmm. yeah, expect some good looking background art. Um, but should we move on to the next show and the next yep. day Mondays? We do Mondays. Uh, so this one is a quick review. This show is called UQ Holder, uh, which is airing on Amazon Strike. Uh, the source is a manga, the studio's JC staff, and the director is Yohei Suzuki, who's directed things like Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, Sword Oratoria, which was the crappy fan service spinoff of the first show. Um, the Hentai Prince and the Stony Cat. I like uh, that one. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that show. Uh, Shimonetta, which was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Uraro Meirocho, which I basically hate and is like the bane of my existence. So, so yeah. okay, I read the manga. If mm-hmm. I had told you, they, I'm not going to give away spoilers. If I had told you that the main character, main character's main power was that he could strip clothes off women, <laughs> yeah. would that have changed it before, changed your opinion before going into it? Hmm. <sighs> Okay, what if I told you later on there's a race with like basically magical jet skis with his harem and at some point his magic goes crazy and gets reflected and all the girls basically do the entire race naked. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's a ridiculous. It's etchy for sure. Yeah, it's an etchy show. Like, yeah. So this is, this is basically a follow up to a show that I never watched back in the day called Negima. And actually, this new show starts off with a flashback to that old show. Like, it's kind of weird the way this new show starts off. Because it starts off with, like, Negima, I guess, who is the main character of that show. And he's, like, in, a like, a hallway with a bunch of high school girls. Like, literally, like, nine high school girls. Or middle school. I don't even know. Okay, so and this he, is funny because Yuku, <laughs> Yuku Holder in the manga does yeah. flashbacks to Negima. 
That's so weird. Yeah, so that's what this is doing then. Like, that's how it starts off. So it's yeah. very tied into that original Negima show. So you might have to watch that and like to the, really enjoy this. The scene this. you're talking about is super late in the manga. Yeah, so like he's standing around with these girls and then he sneezes and all of their clothes fly off. Yeah, it's because family Because his sneeze is so powerful. <laughs> it's, it's a family trait. That's what their magic does. It strips clothes off women. Um, but after that stuff, like when they actually get to like the plot of this show, they introduce like a 700 year old vampire Lolly who looks kind of exactly like Shinobu from Monogatari. Just it's without okay. like, she the can transform art. into a uh, mature woman. Yeah, it's kind of different because like she's a mature woman most of the time, I think. And but she transforms into a Lolly. Her real form uh, is a Lolly. But oh, that's her real form. Okay. To look like the mature version. Yeah, she's like his teacher, I think, at school. I'm pretty sure. Yes, uh, from what in I remember. the beginning. Honestly, I skimmed through a lot of this episode because I was like, this is the stupidest shit. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, I'm still reading, reading it, and it's like a monthly release at this point, and it's still just absolute nonsense. I, The last <laughs> couple chapters, they just... I think it's trying to wrap itself up because the last couple of chapters have just been info dumps like crazy and we're at the end. I mean, we've seen so many chapters. Why now introduce all this stuff? So I feel like they're going to end it. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, as I was watching through this show, I was just like, yeah, this is like fun, kind of ridiculous, but it's, it felt like an early 2000s show to me. Like it felt like a show that was trapped like in a long time ago, because that's like when the original show aired. And I think it's kind of like trying to recapture that feel of early 2000s or like late 1990s anime, maybe. And it's just like, yeah, I don't want to go back. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that time happens. Those shows happened. They were fine, I guess. I don't know. And then there's like some excessive like blood and gore near the end of this episode with like katanas slicing through arms and shit out of nowhere. I don't yeah, know. I they're really skimmed through so the they end can of this. lose their limbs and just reattach them. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch a show where like nothing matters, <laughs> like watch this show. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's just like like turn your brain off kind of show. I, I, I don't know. I, I will say if they are going to uh, fund their anime budget, I mean their animation budget. Uh, then some of the fight scenes would be worth watching if you just wanted to go watch shows because there's some pretty cool fight scenes in the manga. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, but that's it. That's all I can add to it. I, I haven't even seen the anime, but I know not to recommend it just from the okay. manga. All right, I'll maybe move on to the next one, which has been a roller coaster for me. So the next show is Wake Up Girls New Chapter, which is airing on Crunchyroll. Uh, the source is it's an original. Uh, the studio is Emile Ponce. I'm pronouncing it the French way, but who knows how the Japanese actually pronounce it. Um, Director is Shin Itagaki, who directed Bento and like Berserk 2016, infamously, and uh, Devil May Cry and stuff like that. Um, So Wake Up Girls is an idol series. Um, uh, I watched the original season like a week before this new season started airing uh, because I'd never seen it and I'd always heard like kind of good things about it. Basically, where I stand on idols shows, like the big ones at least, is like I'm a big fan of the first season of Idol Master, and I hate everything about Love Live. So that's where I stand on idol shows. <laughs> I've never watched an idol show because I know I'll never like it. 
I don't know, man. You should watch the first season of Idol Master. That's a real good show. Mm. But you you may not like it, like because it's still about idols. And if you just don't like idol stuff, then yeah, you might not like it. Okay. But um, Wake Up Girls is somewhere in the middle of those two shows. But the first season was very much like an Idol Master show, both in style and in content. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the people who made the show, like the animators and everybody were Idolmaster people. They had come off making the first season of Idolmaster and then they went to make this little side project and it looked fantastic. Like it was animated extremely well. Uh, the character designs were gorgeous, very like very similar to the Idolmaster character designs, very appealing. Um, and the show was kind of interesting and offbeat because it covered like the seedy, grimy underside of the idol industry where the girls are kind of forced into some like uncomfortable situations at like these like service clubs as they're coming up and trying to get jobs basically and and establish themselves as idols. They have to do some creepy shit and like a couple of them almost quit over it uh, before like they convinced like their managers like we need to do something different like we need to find different jobs like and, and their managers aren't like the best people like there's like a woman who manages them and she's kind of like just a greedy woman who just like wants to make money and like she'll eventually come up with some good ideas but she's pretty greedy and seedy herself and like there's a guy who like runs the idol group as like her assistant and he just doesn't really know what he's doing he's not experienced so yeah they the whole first season is like getting together as an idol group, establishing themselves, getting over like the seedy, grimy part of the industry, and then competing against this big group called I1 Club, who are kind of like this really huge, established, like Tokyo-based idol group. And it's really fun to watch as that happens. Flash forward to season two. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh, really? It's so bad because everything that you might have liked about season one is gone everything they they brought back all the same characters but you might not even recognize them and the reason i say that is they have completely changed the art style because all of the idol master people who worked on this are now gone they are probably working on like idol master side m which is also airing this series or something else or just not working on anime anymore um so they have completely different animators and a completely different director than the original season and it really really shows because the animation is really bad it's way more cg instead of hand drawn it looks it looks like a bad version of love live now as opposed to like an almost as good version of idol master which is a drop that is so steep that it's like infuriating to me to like watch this second season but not only is it like different looking like the characters like some of them seem to have completely lost the personality that they had in the first season to where it's like again like these people are almost unrecognizable like there's this main character named uh, Mayu who has this whole arc in the first season where she was an, a member of the big group called I1 Club and then she quit because of various reasons that like you'll find out when you watch season one. Um, but like so she spends a lot of that first season kind of like depressed but like very competent but like very like reserved. And then like when you meet her character in this season, she's just like a normal Genki girl. Like she retains nothing about what she was in the first season. So like she's just like a happy-go-lucky Genki girl. They've completely changed her character. Um, and some of the other characters like are just there and like they don't do enough to reestablish these characters like they expect you to have watched season one and then like view season two as a continuation except that like these aren't the same people they don't feel the same and it feels like they've skipped time but like they haven't 
nothing has happened and they all look different and it's just awful it's so bad um and like yeah the other thing is that like the the first episode at least doesn't cover any of like those themes that the first show did about like the uncomfortable side of the idol industry and i would say episode two was slightly better because one of the characters um starts hiding from like the rest of the group that she's like trying not to eat as much because she gained like a couple of pounds on like a food shit like you know one of those shows where like idols go on and they eat like some kind of weird food or something yeah she she got like really competitive on the show and she because like it's like some guy on the show was like making fun of her like on the panel and he's like oh i can eat so much food what can an idol say about food and then she started eating a bunch of food uh to like prove that idols could eat food too but then she gained like four pounds or something so she freaks out about it and starts like starving herself and like running at every spare moment and like you know eventually the rest of the group figures out what's going on and they support her by the end and she gets back to normal but that was still like not really as you know interesting as the themes of the first show that they explored so anyway i like yeah and but just really it it just looks so bad compared to the first season that i can't enjoy it at all as like a continuation of that and it's really depressing because like i really like i thought that was like a diamond in a rough like the wake up girl season one when i when i watched it i like almost basically binged through it because i really really enjoyed it like it was so good what what's kind of surprising to me the director has done berserk and devil may cry and then you gave the guy an idol show i'm just like uh <laughs> it is weird yeah it's, that's, I don't that's, know that's how. a very uh tone shift there i have to say I feel like the production committee behind this anime must have just been panicking a little bit. Like, I think they've made, like, a really bad decision here. Because they're airing this show in the same season as Love Live Sunshine Season 2 and Idolmaster Side M, which is, like, the Idolmaster Boys show. Those are two huge, they are the big, huge idol franchises. And then Wake Up Girls has always been, like, a third rung. Like, oh, it's kind of cute and kind of good, but it's Mm -hmm. not, like a mega selling franchise like these other two why would you compete with these two shows like unless they think that like the you know rising tide like lifts all boats or something like that like oh they're gonna watch these other two idol shows and then they'll watch ours but that's not gonna happen if the show just looks terrible it looks like like my biggest problem with the designs is the characters eyes their eyes are just like these big empty soulless things that have no emotion in them and if you go back and watch like some clips from the first season it's like their faces were so full of emotion and expressiveness and man it's just oh it's like just seeing like a cash grab like this and it's not even gonna work as a cash grab though because it's just so bad yeah the, uh, yeah the, uh, the other interesting a bad thing about, idea to definitely air the same season as some other idol shows so for sure that's just like, that's just bad i feel like bad choices 101 right away yeah i could go on about this show but like i have there's nothing more to really say it's just it's just so disappointing all but, right uh, uh let me introduce our second show and then you can take the synopsis from that here i'm gonna turn my volume down <laughs> you already know what i'm gonna do <laughs> So, moving on to Tuesdays, we have Black Clover. The source is a manga! (laughs) It's done by Studio Parrot, and they have done some great things like Yu Yu Hakusho and Tokyo Mew Mew, which I've actually seen, 12 Kingdoms, Naruto, Naruto Shippuden, and Boruto the Next Generation! (laughs) Tokyo Ghoul 
in our dropped convenience store boyfriends the director is Tatsuya <laughs> Yoshihara he's a monster moose and a long rider and you're no yellow and that annoyed the fucking shit out of you do not watch this show <laughs> and wow I'm looking at my waves and audacity over here and they're just fucking crazy <laughs> see if that right clipped now. at all it would be fun to edit that uh, here I'll introduce the show and then you can shit on it some more after like I explain what it is okay uh, it's so, so sad that, that like one thing can just ruin a show. Oh man, it's so bad though. Like it's it's a oh. <sighs> so everything about I've, I've heard about Black Clover leading up to its release is that like it was supposed to be like one of the be- next big shonen shows. Well, like, yeah, okay. So Studio Pirouette, which is why I listed these specific shows, the mm-hmm. big shonen shows: Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, Naruto, Naruto Shippuden, Boruto: The Next Generation, uh, Tokyo yeah. Ghoul wasn't as big as I thought they thought it was going to be, but. It's still pretty big, though. It crossed over to a lot of people. And I believe people. the 12 Kingdoms has, like, a really big cult following, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, like, yeah, but this show is just... It's straight up Naruto again. With, like, maybe, like, people say it's kind of crossed with fairy tale. But, like, the problem with the show is that it has the most annoying protagonist I have ever seen in a shonen ever <laughs> so the way the show starts off though is that naruto and sasuke oh wait sorry not their names are asta and yuno my bad are their childhood friends who want to become the wizard king um <laughs> oh, oh my god and so they are granted grimoires when they're 15 years old and you mean you know you didn't mean hokage did you no no oh wizard king okay wizard king yes okay um you know is the calm and collected one and he's typically just more impressive than asta who was the brazen main character who and so you know is gifted a four-leaf clover grimoire at this 15 year old ceremony whereas asta gets nothing at first and it's like what i guess i'm just not worthy and yeah but he's like very determined um but here's the thing about Asta. Leo, like Leo was doing, <laughs> he constantly screams like every line in the first episode. His like, Every single uh, one of his sentences starts out as, so do you think I could be the whatever Hokage? <laughs> and like, yeah, and he, in, in, even in a casual conversation, it's yeah. every single line. It is it's horrible to listen to. It just rips you from this show as you're watching it because you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, he'll do like the screaming thing. And see, the thing is, the thing that's interesting, like if you watch some of the uh, compilations of his screaming from that first episode on YouTube, and it's the thing I noticed when I was watching the first episode initially is that like one of the things that's annoying is like I, I don't always hate screaming characters. It's the way that he screams, though, like and specifically like the pitch and tone of his screams is always the same. Like whenever he screams, he ends on the same like musical pitch. Yeah. Like, so. So. And it'll end up with. And then he also does this. The other thing he does is like this one that sounds like a revving chainsaw where he'll go like. God. <laughs> so ridiculous sounding. So I, I wrote this note and I want to know if you agree with me, but I would prefer an entire cast of Beatrice from Princess Principal. Over I totally this agree. Guy. 100%. Yes. That would I be would that way first. more tolerable. It was it was so off putting that like I actually think so. Fun, Funimation is doing a simul dub of this, 
And I'm just like, this may be like one of the most important dubs they have ever done. Because this show is completely unwatchable with the original voice acting. Do you think Funimation will stick with it or will they actually listen to the community? I don't know. I haven't. I won't know if they've put out the first episode of the simul. I haven't yet. read the manga. Is he like written that way? And yes. So apparently, what people Ugh. have said about the manga is that like you don't notice it as much in the manga because like it's written down. Yeah, but, like, you're making every, the voice in your own head. Yeah, every line he says has an exclamation point at the end of it. So I guess you could assume that he is kind of like yelling, but when it's in a manga, you don't have to hear it. When it's in anime form, it's like, oh my God, please kill this thing. So he <laughs> well, he has like a straight sugar drip and like he's just going to die of diabetes any day now. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. And so, yeah, his voice actor is this, this person named Gakuto Kajiwari, and this is his first voice acting role. And I just feel bad for him, like... Like, sure, he probably he made some bad decisions, but like there's also like the voice director who's to blame for this, like who thought that like, oh, yeah, that take was a good take. Or Yeah, like, people made yeah. this decision and I don't know how you did that take and thought this was a good idea. Yeah, I don't know. Like, eh, like I watched a little bit of episode two. Actually, I watched I watched all of episode two and like it does calm down. They do like a flashback episode in episode two to like when Asta and, you know, were kids. And like, oh, you know, their motivations and everything. Another like very Naruto episode. Uh, Um, As you were uh, doing the recap of the last episode, I was uh, I went to episode three of this one and they did dial it back a little bit. But it only took me another two seconds to find a scene where he was doing it again. (laughs) And I was just clicking randomly. But like it was really funny to me because like I saw all this on Twitter. I saw you talking to people about like this main character's voice. And I'm like, oh, man, it's that bad. And I watched it and I was like, you guys did not trash talk it enough. Yeah, it is. It is incredibly bad. Yeah, it is like to the point of like, like, I think uh, after like four minutes of this episode, I went online. I was like, I can't watch the rest of this show. Like I posted that somewhere. (laughs) It's like, it is so bad. Like just if you watch like the first three or four minutes of this show, you will know exactly what I mean. It's like impossible to ignore. It's so bad. Yeah. In Um, episode two, uh, there's a couple things that really killed me. It was three and a half minutes for anything new ever even happened. And then it was nothing but ton of flashback that felt like was more filler than actually giving us information. And I really hate flashbacks. Even if the flashbacks need to give us information, I, I, me personally just don't really care for flashbacks mostly. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so to have an almost an entire second episode of flashbacks, I was like, oh my God, it's Naruto all over again. <laughs> I'm just going to be done with this show. And it really just is. It's like, it's so Naruto. It's so generic. Like I've heard various people say, like there's people on different sides of like the story here with who are the manga readers. Like there's manga readers who say like, this is like the most generic shonen. There's nothing to see here. And then there's manga readers who say like, oh, later on it gets like more unique and more interesting. But like, why would I wait around for that when the beginning is so bad? Uh, Yeah. We already talked about that this episode, but Yeah. yeah, like, and after you said a Naruto comment, after I watched episode one and two, I, I could do nothing but relate everything that was happening to Naruto after that. Yeah. yeah. It was it was really bad. So yeah, that's that's Black Clover. So Man, yeah, go I'm listen sorry. to that. <laughs> go listen I, to that kid scream. I'm sorry if you, if somebody really likes Black Clover, but uh, <clears throat> go watch Naruto. 
Yeah, even if you liked like the manga a lot, like understand that the anime is not doing it any favors. Like it's just not. Yeah, I don't. It did not uh, translate to anime well at all. I don't think. All right. But you want to talk about uh, another show that you and me are both enjoying? Yes. All right. So, so, oh, you want to take this one? Sure. So let's talk about Junie Tyson Zodiac War, which is airing on Crunchyroll. Uh, the source is a novel by, very interestingly, Nisiho Isin, who wrote the Monogatari series. Indeed. So that's just, that, that makes it interesting in its own, I feel like. <clears throat> For sure. Uh, the studio is Grafinica. Uh, they've mostly done co-productions with other studios on things like Helsing, Ultimate, Arsenal, and Senki. So this is kind of their first big breakthrough. Uh, the dir- director is Naoto Osada. Uh, he did The Devil is a Part-Timer, Future Diary, and Shuffle. I started watching Shuffle uh, like a week ago just for fun. I think it's on Crunchyroll or Funimation. That's like one of the big, biggest old school harem, harem shows, dude. Yeah, it's kind of fun though. <laughs> it's like a fun harem. I so would like he actually has like out. two kind of big hits in there. Shuffle and Future Diaries are definitely standouts on their own. For sure. But, and Devil's a Part-Timer is a, I really enjoyed that show. I wish they would make more of it. Uh, yeah. That's really good. But uh, okay, how about you take a synopsis episode one? I'll take episode two. <clears throat> okay, so episode one uh, is, yeah, it's this story of like we, we meet this girl who calls herself like a the boar or something? So like yeah, the characters. Uh, did you do the title? Oh yeah, even boars may become pigs after seven generations is the the title, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, like so like since it's a zodiac war, the different characters in the show that you'll eventually get introduced to are different animals of the Chinese zodiac. So the girl we get introduced to is the the boar animal. Do you know which one you are? Shit, I looked it up too. <laughs> I'm the tiger. I think I'm Tiger. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm Tiger. Yeah, and then in the American, I'm a Leo, so I'm cat all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so things that stood out about this show initially is like as it's getting set up is there's some like incredibly good fighting animation in this first episode. Oh, um, really good. Like incredibly good, like 90s OVA good. And I was like, what the hell is happening? Like where did they get the budget for this? And I'm a little bit sad to say they basically kind of just only did it here so far so far in the show because of this first season first first episode is a big standout for animation quality um but yeah so like this girl who we get introduced to is the the older sister i think um who and like so her father was the boar in the zodiac war at one point uh and and he won, right? And so their family is well respected because of that. And he uh, has two daughters. Wait, oh, th- I just gave me a thought. So yeah. whenever they win this event, they all get one wish. Right. Of anything. What was his wish? I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out eventually. Yeah, that's though. really interesting. He was already previously wealthy before he went to the war, to this little thing, and then he came back. So, and nothing changed. So. I don't know. It just may be an oversight, but whatever. So the oldest daughter expects to be chosen as the family representative for the next Zodiac War. Um, But instead, her father chooses her little sister. And that makes the older sister, like, incredibly jealous and spiteful. Um, Because she felt that she deserved this position. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and she resents it so much that she decides to use like psychological warfare against her sister and her sister we've already seen has like this proclivity for like killing and torturing animals so she might be like a little crazy to start off with like she's not like a saint in all of this yeah she has um, like no remorse about killing it uh anything as of yeah. yet but her sister like sort of nudges her into embracing that side of herself more and more and more which leads to like driving her little sister mad and then even like killing herself in the end and like because like she's been killing like all these people and she feels like this massive guilt about it and then she like kills herself to stop it and then yeah, of course she, this, she yeah. it, it boils down to like she killed all the maids and butlers in the house and their yeah. father was forced to lock her in the basement yeah and then like her older sister slid her a knife so she could keep killing and the only thing left to kill was herself <laughs> yeah it's pretty intense it was pretty intense and brutal and really i, I think i really like the writing for it so yeah uh so of course the father is, has no choice but to choose the older sister now as the bore for the new zodiac war um and so and in the end of the episode like she goes to like this big skyscraper in the city to the top floor to meet the other warriors who've been chosen from like the 12 families or whatever. Yeah, and also the organ organization that controls this has completely wiped out a city for them alone. Oh so yeah. This organiz- for them to just fight organization yeah. is a crazy. And one of the really interesting points is when she's going into the building up the stairs, she's constantly pointing out, you know, like you're like, you don't take the elevator. That's stupid. You lock yourself in a box. She takes the stairs. And even when she goes upstairs, yeah. she sees that one of the contestants has been killed. She's like, that's stupid. That's been, ki- been that they've already had themselves killed. And then she even analyzes everybody at the same time. Yeah. She sort of analyzes everybody else. And then like the, the person who's running the whole thing comes out and like talks to them for a little bit and basically clap tells them like the hands. rules. He says like <laughs> clap your hands. He claps his hands and nobody claps their hands. It's kind of weird and awkward. Uh, but he's like, you all need to take this jewel made of poison. You take it like orally. And if you do nothing, it will probably kill you in 12 hours or less. And the only way to get the antidote for the poison is to win the battle royale. So... Yes, like, so this is a fight to the death between these 12 people, and, like, they can't stop, they have to fight each other, or else they will die. Um, But then, at the end of the episode, like, the floor kind of explodes open from underneath all the people who are standing there, and they fall down, and the boar kind of gathers herself, like, she's gotten separated from everyone else. But the, there's a character who is a rabbit. There's this guy who is basically almost completely naked. He wears like high heels and he's got like a little like something on like speedo. Wait, does he have high heels? Yeah, he has high heels. I'm pretty sure. He has sure. like shorty shorts with suspenders and rabbit ears. Yes, yes. Um, and like a huge big furry tail. <laughs> like a big fluffy tail. But he's kind of insane and he immediately murders the boar. Like, he, like shoves a sword into her chest uh, and I will say that when this happened, this is basically like the cliffhanger of episode one. I was like, there's no way she's dead. Like, there's no way. They Same spent here. a whole episode in like developing her character. There's no way they kill her off for the whole series. But uh, if you want to take it away with episode two. Yes, like, um, I was in complete agreement. And then we go into episode two called Tricks, Both Mongrel and Foul. And they start off with her dead. Yeah. They so the actually just died. killed this character who they built up. So in the they first just episode. killed this character that they built up. And even at this point, I'm like, she's 
faking it, right? <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, and like she does kind of come back as like a zombie at some point, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah. So what happened here was there was another character that was killed at the beginning, and that was by the rabbit guy, and he was like screaming around with his sword with the blood on it. He's like, I didn't kill her, and he, she's like, Yeah, you did. But anyways, he hit. Everybody has a special ability. Uh, what the boar's special ability was like unlimited reload. Like she never has to reload her guns because she was carrying like two very large uh, machine guns. Uh, turns out the rabbit's ability is necromancy. So what he had done, like it was, it did the really cool animation from the last scene where like she was going to battle him and like she planned the whole thing out in her head, but she didn't yeah. realize he had necromancy. So basically he reanimated the other body and it just grabbed her from behind so she couldn't fire. So that's why he got the uh, his uh, machete in her chest. So they start the second episode with him like reaching into her chest and pulling out her her little jewel poison thing. Right. And it's it's brutal. Yeah, it's pretty gory. Yeah. So like so like that kind of solidifies she's dead dead. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So then after this, I'm just referring to everybody as their animal because it's easier. Uh, the monkey and the rat hide away in the sewers for now. And we find out it was the monkey that blew up the floor because she, she had predetermined that if something went awry, that was her escape route. Uh, at the time she had sensed somebody was about to make a move and blew up the floor. Her deal is that she has ended countless wars through her negotiating tactics and might be a participant in the Junitizing because she wants to end it. That's her main goal. Uh, yeah, everybody has like little weird things tacked to their names. Like, the monkeys was like killing through peaceful ways and uh the chickens was like killing through pecking and stuff like that so uh it turns out the dog and the chicken team up for a bit and the dog plans on betraying the feeble acting chicken in the end she's just she's a very, a very attractive female but she's like in this like gaudy uh get up as like a chicken with feathers and stuff like that. (laughs) But they team up together and her special ability is that she can communicate with birds and that's how she found him. Uh, This episode does a really big backstory into the dog. So you feel like, so so you feel like a formula coming on with this show. Uh, So we get a lot of backstory in the dog and his special ability is that his body can produce poisons and he can infect people with his bite. Uh, The two decided to deal with the rabbit first and go on their way. The rabbit seems to have uh, seen the boar off on her own and she disappeared from the chicken who has been tracking him. Uh, what did I say? Oh, the other people have disappeared. I'm sorry, the rabbit guy disappeared, but the boar is like, you know, sluggishly walking through the streets. And the dog decides that the boar is probably a distraction and will, and the chicken will appear, not the chicken, the rabbit will appear when somebody goes to eliminate the boar. Dog decides to play the guy at his own game and he bites the chicken in the arm. He says he's injected her with a drug that would temporarily bring her out all the power she possesses. And like chicken is like freaking out and dog's like, stop freaking out. You'll be okay. Then chicken like looks up with him and just grabs his face with her hand and crushes her head, crushes the dog's head. So that's brutal. Yeah. So basically to me, like the chicken was playing like the rooster, whatever her name is. She was she like, was, and she was pretending get, to be weak the whole time. Yes. Like to uh, lull him into a false sense of security. Touches on that. Yes. Oh, it does. Yeah. I thought it was clear at the end of episode two though. Like when she yeah, turned it, on him, I was it, like, Oh, she was playing him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, uh, just going to episode two that I've already said that the chicken was playing the dog. She knew he had that specific ability to make her stronger. 
Right. So she played him the whole time. Uh, then there's a quick little scene where like the ox and the horse confront each other, each other, and the ox is supposed to be like the strongest ever by the the favorite to win in the subway system, and we just see the ox attack the horse. Uh, there was nowhere near as much flashy animation, but there was also no action scenes. So, yeah, I agree. Like it wasn't as flashy, but I, I think the character designs still like carry this show, like, yeah. especially like the monkey girl. Like I really liked her animation like throughout the episode. Um, and just like all the character designs are like really strong. They really stand out very well. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll see more of that crazy animation from yeah, the first episode. I also want to say the tiger girl was in this episode very briefly and it just bait basically showed her walking the streets looking for the ox but then she got distracted when she saw like some like lunch meats in a window or desserts (laughs) in a window or something like that yeah all the characters in the show are kind of ridiculous like you can't really take them too seriously i would say yeah Uh, but it's fun it's like just a fun little battle it's very it's a very fun battle royale and i'm totally behind it and, and they've had some being written by the author of Monogatari. There are basically no lolis in this show, which surprised me. <laughs> and like oh, not yeah. much fan service either. Like I was like, okay, is this really the same writer? Okay. <laughs> All right. Real quick. Wh- which is best girl? So you got the chicken, the boar, and the tiger. Well, I definitely don't and like the, monkey. the boar at all. Uh, I kind of like the monkey girl the most at this point as a character. I don't know. That's a good question, though. Like, the rooster girl is probably, like, your most typical, like, moe girl, except she has this dark, conniving She's side She's Darius. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll be more attracted to her as the show goes on. I don't know. Uh, I think the best character for a lot of people who have been watching the show online, at least on my Twitter, is the rabbit guy. There are a lot of girls who are losing their mind over rabbit dude <laughs> and his design. Oh, that, that concerns me. <laughs> he's got abs for days Would so, be, well you know. because he's super messed up in the head yeah he's screwed up yeah uh, people like his character design a lot it's just so ridiculous all over the top I don't so, know yeah, yeah it, it is over the top which is really cool about him but I don't know I think they would I felt like they would prefer either the ox or the horse because since the horse is like basically the mm-hmm. rock johnson of this world and <laughs> the yeah. ox is like your very attractive uh Spanish guy. Oh yeah, not. he's kind of like a matador or something like a bullfighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, his yeah style is definitely matador. Yeah. So, so hmm. yeah, it's a, it's an interesting show. I, I've enjoyed watching it so far. Like, I think it's way better than the other um, death battle show, which we'll cover in our second half. Oh, Actually, no, yes. we're covering that in a little bit. King's oh. Game when we get to that. Oh, it is isn't uh, Thursday. All yeah. right, let's move on. You take all it. right. Food Wars, the third plate, airing on Crunchyroll. This is the third season of Food Wars, or Shokugeki no Soma, San no Sara. Uh, the source is a manga. The studio is JC Staff. They're doing a lot this season. And the director is Yoshitomo Yonitane, who directed the first two seasons of uh, Food Wars. Um, long story short, if you like Food Wars, you will keep watching this show. Um, like It's like a shonen, obviously, about like people who cook competitively uh and it's very over the top and like when people taste the dishes it's kind of like iron chef that old japanese tv (laughs) show which i love so much um uh, but like the people have over the top reactions to how good the food is and their clothes typically will like fly off and they'll like basically semi-orgasm when they eat the food and it's hilarious and it's really fun Uh, and they do it both male and female and yes (laughs) and and from reading the manga they may 
do more male than female i feel like so like yeah but that it's just the effect they're doing uh the manga is like really amazing so i'm i'm glad to hear they're doing a third season i'm not watching it mm-hmm. i know the outcome to everything i've already yeah. seen all the beautiful food so it's not that appealing to me but basically the setup for this season is like the second season ended like a long tournament arc and now they're back at school basically and the main character soma is going to finally start trying to chip away at the elite 10 which is like the top 10 students like the top 10 chefs at the school Uh, and so like the first arc involves like this event at the school called a moon festival where a lot of outside people are invited to the school campus uh, to eat like food that characters prepare for like the festival and the characters have to like run their own booths or like their own little restaurants and like they have to turn a profit or else they get expelled um and he uh soma targets this one guy who is named kuga who's part of the elite 10 and he's like a master of chinese and specifically sichuan chinese cuisine uh he's like extremely good at making mapo tofu uh which is insanely spicy tofu and uh like, so yeah, Soma basically goes up against him over like the first four episodes this plays out. So it's like one long arc. Uh, the other interesting thing about this third season of this show is that one of the main voice actresses, um, Risa Taneda, who voices Arena Nakiri in the show, had to take some time away from the anime industry because she had like these medical issues going on with her throat. Um, and I think she's back now and starting to take on some jobs but when they recorded for this show uh she couldn't do it she was still uh, having issues so she's been replaced by a voice actress named hisako kanemoto and honestly i think the replacement has done an excellent job at capturing arena nakiri like risa tanada has like a very like legendary kind of voice like she's really good but this other voice actress has done a fantastic job like doing the best like impression of that character that she can it's not exactly the same but i think it captures her personality in a way that is really well done so i don't think you'll really even notice it like a blip um on the show which is something i was worried about going into this third season um beyond that is yeah it's basically just more shokugeki no soma uh I wasn't particularly impressed with the new OP, which is a little, little disappointing. Uh, but the ED, which is by like one of my favorite artists who does a lot of like OPs and EDs, Nano Ripe, was pretty solid. Like it's not as good as some of like like the Spice ED from like the second season was fantastic, one of the best EDs. It's not as good as that, but uh, it's still pretty solid. Um, and yeah, like this this basically follows the formula of like Soma like coming in coming up against like a really strong competitor figuring out like what he needs to do to change about his cooking to to surpass him and like that's just basically how it goes but at this point though he has a lot of friends who he's made both at like the polar star dormitory at his school and also the among like dormitory yeah and also like among like uh, like the chefs that he's battled against in the tournament arc like he's got a bunch of friends who are willing to like help him at the drop of a hat now so it's like him his own powers his own abilities but also like the influences of all of his friends helping him out that uh, push him to be like the best at this point so it's fun to watch it's a fun show Uh, but I will move on if you're ready yeah we do Wednesdays Wednesdays we'll start with Konohana Kitan which airs on Crunchyroll the source is a manga the studio is Lersh and the director is Hideki Okamoto who was basically directed like a few etchy shows before this one oh that's not good (laughs) yeah um 
So watching the PV for this show, I expected it to be a lot like another show I had strongly disliked from a few seasons back, Arara Merocho, which is all about like a like an animal girl who grew up in the countryside and is like a bumpkin. She really literally like was raised by animals. So like she didn't know human norms. So she comes to the town in that first episode and like like she's oh, trying is that to- the one where they were like rubbing on each other. Yeah, well, that and like, but like in the first episode, like she doesn't know what she's doing. She like offends somebody and to apologize, she lifts up her shirt to show her little lowly belly to people. Yeah. Because that's like, like animals show their belly to people when they're like trying to like apologize. I remember like, you doing this one when we were doing our yeah. impressions and I was like, I'm so glad to even try think about watching that show <laughs> so yeah like it's it's this is the same kind of show as that where it's like the show is all about like little cute girls and it's all about sexualizing them as much as possible while still like maintaining uh, this aura that it's oh no this is just cute it's it's just cute and innocent i swear oh also look at this naked little girl oh she's so cute and innocent it's just like yeah it's that show. honestly without the <laughs> They had to do it in a bathhouse, so obviously they're going to have bath scenes. Yeah. But if they had done without the bath scenes, I would actually think the show's decent. Yes. There but are, I don't yeah. want to sit here and feel uncomfortable as I watch <laughs> a little lolly fox girl get pulled into the uh, water by the other lolly fox girl that has bigger boobs. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's just... There's a lot of Yuri. It's actually listed as Shoujo Eye on uh, my anime list so i would assume that this yuri actually goes somewhere like these oh, girls wow. will probably enter into a, like a relationship at some point i'm assuming because that's the only reason you would actually list it as shoujo i otherwise it's just like you know what people joke about as yuri undertones where it actually <laughs> never goes anywhere like but uh yeah she's but like she's like the main character from uh Arara Meocho, where she's like a bumpkin from the country. She comes to work. This, this is the main character of the show. She comes to work at like uh, an onsen resort. Uh, and yeah, so it's in that way, it's like people have compared it a little bit to Hanasaku Aroha. It is nothing like as good as that show. Like, don't compare it to that show. It's nothing like it. But yeah, like she, there's other cute girls who work at the onsen and basically they always take baths together. Like the first scene when she gets to the onsen like they rip her clothes off and wash her as the character uh, as the camera like pans up her naked body so it's like the, yeah the show tells you what it is it's like you're gonna watch little lolies be naked and then when they're not naked they'll do some cute stuff and that's it that's basically the whole show and i have i have no time for a show like that so hmm. yeah yeah it's kind of my same thought uh, if you go on to episode two is spring journey, basically what I said was if you want cute Fox girls talking about their feelings and body outline shots of them in the hot springs every episode, then give it a try. Otherwise just avoid the show. Yeah. It just depends on like what your tolerance is for that kind of stuff. And I have like zero tolerance. So yeah, yeah it's breaking my tolerance too. I, and the cute stuff they do is pretty cute, but yeah, it's like a nice, cute, like relaxing Iyashike slice of life with naked lilies in it. And it's just like, yeah, okay, I, it's not for me. <laughs> it's yeah, like if you just like, cut out all the shitty parts of the show and made it fun, like and cute, yeah. And I like how they fine. portray the uh, the uh, hot springs and stuff. I think that's really cool. Yeah, but yeah, nice. I I only have so much time in a day and. I yeah I probably won't get back around to looking at it unless I just suddenly find myself with nothing to do. Yeah, speaking but, of finding yourself with nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the next show is definitely not geared towards us. 
No. I actually, so the, the next show is called Urahara. And before we get into what it is, like, there, I saw that there was an article that Crunchyroll tweeted the other day where they were talking about Urahara in Teen Vogue magazine. Wait, so isn't that like an all-female staff, too? Uh, I think possibly. It is actually co-produced by Crunchyroll themselves, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but this, it's like an anime about like Harajuku, which is like this area of Tokyo that has this very like cutesy, kitschy fashion style to it. With like lots of like bright pinks and pastel colors and like eye popping stuff, uh, very cutesy. And so like it makes sense that they're like pushing this from like a fashion angle for like teenage girls. Uh, so that's who this is kind of aimed at. Um, so oh, yeah, it's clearly aimed at girls. Yeah, the source is a web manga. Uh, the studios that are co-producing this are like Shirogumi and EMT Squared. Who, whatever. Uh, the director is Amika Kubo, who is a first-time female director. So yes, that there's that uh, influence right there, um, and like I was kind of interested in the third episode. The, the, sorry, the first episode. So it's like these three high school girls. They work at a store called Park in Harajuku, and uh, they're kind of obsessed with cute stuff and creating new and interesting fashions, basically. But like aliens invade Tokyo and like the rest of the world, and they start sucking up like like independence day like style like buildings and like they attempt to steal earth's culture and use it as their own and the girls like decide to fight back and defend harajuku by using their imaginations um but yeah the show had like no clear direction to it besides be as cute as possible and go wild with like pastel colors it's not fan servicey or anything um that's definitely like not trying to attract like a male audience with like fan service for sure um but like it had very limited animation which is what stood out like it's definitely trying to like focus on background art and like cute pastel stuff and have that like serve to like draw people into the visual style but like as somebody who watches a lot of anime you will notice that the animation here is just so limited and Mm -hmm. barely there backgrounds Um, tend to be really not good at all yeah, there's like Extremely some that basic. are okay. Like their shop looked nice. But then like I was watching episode two before we recorded this podcast and like there's some scenes that it's just like on other shows you would consider these shots to be like incomplete. Like they just didn't finish hmm. drawing this. Like it just looks that bad. Um, so yeah, and like after the first episode, the girls like I was like, they, they need like a clearer mission. And so I kind of skimmed through episode two figuring because I couldn't really I started watching episode two and I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> this is not for me. Like, I'm, I can't get into this. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. I, I think like uh, one of like the uh, Crunchyroll people, Raina Scully, who you might have seen online, she has like an active part in this series as a voice actor, I think, too, which is kind of interesting. So I don't know. It's like a big Crunchyroll production. Like I wish it was a little bit better animated show with a little bit clearer premise. That's all I would say. Um, otherwise, it kind of might just fade away into obscurity unless it gets okay. picked up by the, uh, the tremendous reading audience of Teen Vogue. Then uh, it might pick <laughs> up a lot. I don't know. Yeah, because Teen Vogue is known for their uh, large female <laughs> anime audience. But uh yeah, my, my thoughts on episode one was like, I felt it was kind of like randomized and it didn't have much of a direction. Yeah. So, and then I didn't even watch episode two because you said something like it's not even worth our time. I I agree with you after watching that one. But 
Yeah. I'm ready to move on. I don't know if I am, but you can take this one. Okay. This, this show kind of, depending on where you look, has three different titles. You have your English, yeah. and then you have your English, Japanese, and then your Japanese. But the one we're going to go by is My Girlfriend is a Faithful Virgin Bitch. Uh, <laughs> before <laughs> going with the rest of the titles, I would say Becom and I had a, a discussion about like, this is going to be our next drink our way through. Yeah. Yep. And then after we watched the first episode, we both were like, huh, not that bad. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not it's like bad. Not that bad at all, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the other title is My Girlfriend is Show Bitch. And like Shoujo Japanese Bitch was what that stands for. Yeah. Yeah. Japanese title Boku no Kanojo ga Machi Me Seguriru Show Bitch Naken. <laughs> Uh, Source is a web manga. Studio is Dio Media. They have done things like Okumeno Riddle, Fuka, uh, <laughs> Hell Girl, and Squid Girl. And but they did they did this with another studio called Studio Blanc, and oh they have done Rogue Kyobu and a bunch of Lol, which I think is a bunch of Lolis playing basketballs by the look of it. It is, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's terrible. Uh, director is Nobuyoshi Nagayama. Uh, his his first full series director he's done like episodes he's never done their first full series yep. so episode one no don't open it so wide <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the episode titles are pretty fantastic so first <laughs> off this show is about fan service so if you hate that stuff don't watch it there you go <laughs> yeah basically yeah but if you if like me on the other side you prefer the occasional anime that wears fan service on a sleeve then you know this is pretty fun but our main girl character is a very well endowed girl who's absolutely naive when it comes to relationships uh for some reason she way overdoes her aggressive aggressivenesses into misunderstandings about relationships a lot of the time come from anime tropes for this i like the show they take an anime trope and they just run with it to do like a really great gag or something like that and then also our main guy has a female childhood friend <laughs> of oh, course they're so just running with tropes he uses that trope to her complete advantage she specifically is like i'm the childhood friend <laughs> and then he also has a, a cute younger female also well endowed little sister with a cat ear hoodie who dots on him this show is just going to get bananas with the true with the tropes and yeah what I'm i what cool. i liked about the first episode sorry to cut you off is yeah. like the main girl like the main character whatever she's kind of interesting because like she's over the top and like aggressive and stuff but like she's kind of thoughtful she's trying like when he asks her out and she says yes she's like if you're okay with me the way i am and like the way she is is like very analytical about trying to figure out what he likes like what is his fetish like she just assumes that he's gonna have like some weird like sexual fetish and that like she wants to serve that fetish like as best <laughs> as she can like <laughs> like like she'd been reading manga and like yes. this is what guys like like exactly. it, yeah like it's it's really fun though like they're, they're doing a good job of taking like tropes like this is only going to appeal to like people who have watched a lot of anime yeah and they're going to get these jokes and they're they so far between episode one and episode two they've been really they've been good well me, the thing I is like. so i was after episode one i was worried about the childhood friend character and especially about the emoto character and i'm not ep- i'm not because well, how well in episode they did. two i 
my worries were definitely raised to like a higher level with the Oh, really? She she rubs her vagina camel toe against a broomstick. <laughs> yes. I was a little bit interested by that scene. Uh, well, my yeah. intro line was first off, this show is about fan service. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. I'm but just like saying. Uh, do they have to do it with the Emoto? God, God. But whatever. Yeah, it's all over the top fan service. That's what the show is about. It's like it's kind of a little bit like Shimonetta, where it's just like getting like really raunchy like all the time. I will say about the if childhood we had been podcasting, I would have definitely, if we had not made into our list, would have made Shimonetta one of our locks. Oh yeah, that yeah. season. That was a, it was, that so was good. a fun show. I, yeah. I, I mean, I mean the pussy juice juice rainbow. <laughs> Give me a. Uh, Genius. Genius. <laughs> that girl was fucking terrifying. <laughs> it was so great. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no, that was a crazy show. And then this is kind of like that. It's very fun. Uh, I'll say, like, I don't like the childhood friend character that much because, like, she's just constantly, like, over the top flirting with the main character but it's kind mm. of funny what i do like about her is she gives him lots of like back hugs where she comes up behind him and like hugs him with her big boobs uh, I'm just see, like, i haven't seen an episode two yet which i will before uh, we yeah. make her well she does that a lot in episode one but, as, as well but um no she doesn't yeah she comes up from behind him and, and hugs him in episode one like the first time you see her i think i'm pretty sure he like mm. ju- he she like jumps on his back. <laughs> okay, like I just him. remember her cat-eared hoodie and her having uh, a little bit bigger than usual boobs for her yeah. short size. So yeah, like the Emoto is like she's just like a fetish Emoto character. Like she's got like long like bumblebee colored stockings and a Kigurumi cat thing. And yeah, but knowing what yeah. this show is doing, like seeing her, I was like. Of course, she's here. <laughs> and, you know, she's like your typical, like, Emoto fantasy for otaku, where she's like, oh, Nichan, I want you all to myself. Where? So the childhood uh, boyish, I mean, yeah, boyish friend is, uh, doesn't bother you? Uh, the childhood boyish friend. Oh, like, she, well, she bothers me a little bit. Like, because she's just, yeah, she bothers me a little bit just because she's, like, so tropey. Like, but like, I feel like I like this I like show how she's just for front. the main girl. Yeah, but like, she's also just like I don't know. And she knows what she is. She's like, I'm the childhood friend. Get with I, me. <laughs> I think it's in the second episode that she kind of like um, helps the main character out on a date a little bit. Like she, they, she gets, she gets the uh, the main kid and his girlfriend to go into like a photo booth with her. And like, she's like, aren't you glad you got to take pictures with her? Like she says to him, like quietly afterwards, because she thinks she's just being really annoying and pushy. But like she was like kind of helping him out, which I liked that aspect of her personality. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very tropey show, but it's also kind of funny. Like that's where I'm at with it. Like it's enjoyable enough at this point because of the two main characters, especially because the main guy is not that annoying. Like he's not like completely oblivious or anything like he's pretty rational. Like, so you can kind of like, uh, like understand where he's coming from with all this, um, though he's kind of indecisive and he does let like his childhood friend, like hang all over him right in front of his new girlfriend and like his little sister, he allows that stuff to go on. So like he's, he's benefiting from all of these girls throwing themselves at him and he's not like saying no to any of it. So, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. I'm ready to do Thursdays and I'm going to go to sleep as you do the next episode. Thing. So yeah. on Thursdays, the new show is Suki Gakure. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. 
<laughs> I made comparisons. I'm sorry. It's called Just I'm Because not sorry. is the actual name of the show. And it's on Anime Strike. It is an original. Uh, the studio is Pine Jam, who just made Gamers. Uh, and the director is Atsushi Kobayashi, who is another first-time director. There's so much friggin' anime coming out that we're finally getting opportunities for a lot of first-time directors, which is kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, it's cool, but it worries me that the studio has, like, one anime and then director is his first time so i will say though this show in my opinion like one of the highlights of the show is the direction of the show um Uh. because it's extremely well directed there's some gorgeous background art in the show um like it's it's well directed in that like it tells you what all of the characters are about and there's a lot of characters to introduce in this first episode um and like you see like things going on like conversations with their cell phone and like you get a good sense of like space on the campus by the end of the episode where like there's two guys who are playing baseball but then there's some girls who are in band club who are like standing on a bridge of the school who are like overhearing like stuff that's going on in the baseball field and then there's like a photography girl who's like running around all over the place having problems of her own with her giant boobies <laughs> yeah and like really terrible hair uh like it's just like frumpy hair but um yeah so this, the show is basically like about a kid who transfers back to a place where he used to live to go to like the final year of high school um and he's like touring the school and he bumps into some of his friends from like middle school uh who when he moved away and uh sort of starts like to like basically like hook back up with them and see what's going on like one of the one of his friends with his guy who's on the baseball team and apparently the the main character used to be a pitcher so they like they have this like meeting on the baseball field where the one kid like asks him like hey throw me some balls i'll hit some balls around like we'll like catch up like see if you can still strike me out kind of thing and the what's going on with him also though is that like he's like testing himself because he has a crush on this girl and he wants to work up the courage to ask him out sorry sorry ask the girl out and so he's like to himself he's like if i hit a home run finally just one home run i'll that means like i'm a man and i can go ask that girl out today and so like on like one of the last pitches like in the end of the episode i know i'm jumping around a lot he hits a home run and he like runs off to go do that and that's how the episode which, ends. which was cool yeah i liked like i was bored to tears until that part happened and yeah. i was like oh yeah and i got this, interested and then yeah, episode the, two exactly, happened yeah the thing so and the thing about this episode is like this anime is it is very slow moving and pensive i would say it's very dense like a lot is happening like if you pay attention to like what the characters are going through i think I this is another case where if you identify with the characters like any of the characters in this anime you might be very interested in it like I have a friend who like isn't like a person who really liked Suki Gakure and like we've been talking about this show and we both really identify with it because number one I identified like with the show like crazy because I played baseball in high school I also was like in orchestra and like hung out with like band and orchestra people uh so like like these two people that are represented like in the show are like two of my friend groups from back then i also hung out with like 
like a bunch of girls in high school and middle school and like in episode two there's like a conversation between two of the girls how they're like man you know i hated in middle school when like the whole atmosphere was like if you steal my boyfriend i'm gonna like cut you kind of thing and like that was totally what my friends group was like in middle school like the girls got like really competitive over the guys who were in our friends group but like they're all in the final year of high school now so they've all chilled out they've all got shit figured out they know what they're trying to do for the future for the most part and so it's all about like just cl- like closing up like lost opportunities and like maybe like figuring out if they want to like go out with those people who they've always thought about going out with. So it's kind of like just really chill and it's kind of slow paced because of that. But yeah, and that that was yeah. my big point because like I related to Suki Gakiri also, but mm-hmm. for negative reasons because I'm like oh my god I'm bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the scenes have no purpose you could cut them out they would mean nothing yeah yeah this, yeah i mean like i understand like where you're coming from because like there are some scenes it's just like why is photography girl like a big character in this show like does she even need to be in this show at this point like she's kind of interesting she stands out the most because she's, she, like, she's set up as being important later on yes but yeah. as of right now she has zero purpose and then, like, the other girls who are, like, the love interests have, like, very little personality. Like, they're very low-key. Um, mm-hmm. And you will learn more about them, of course. But, like, it's, like, kind of like in the beginning of Tsukigakure. Like, the main guy and the main girl, very low-key people. Like, not high energy. Like, very slow-moving. So, like, if you don't identify with them and in any way, then you can just be like, man, these characters are so boring. But I identified with where they were coming from. And it's the same... It, this really, really feels like Tsukigakure because there's so much cell phone communication in this as well over the line app yet again well that would uh, explain why i dislike it also. yeah I, I can see you just like having like apocalypse now flashbacks of sukigakure <laughs> um, I, 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 I specifically messaged you like god damn it this is the next sukigakure please do not make me watch this show <laughs> yeah uh but yeah like it's like I would say it's somewhere like between Sukigakure and like Surrey Dury Children, probably like closer to Sukigakure, because it's like it's focused on various different couples, but it, it is like that slow, methodical pace of Sukigakure, where it's like if you want to like just chill and relax and experience some like like pretty like naturalistic dialogue that it's not anime. Like this show is animated in Japan, but like it is not like an anime style story where like there's a lot of like weird goofy characters who are these are people who are acting like high school students i would spent 10 minutes on the baseball field talking and throwing balls and hitting them i know isn't it great fuck i love it no it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) we shoot our brains out (laughs) see like that's where like we completely like are an impasse because like i love baseball and i'm like i spent hundreds of hours on baseball fields with like a friend like hitting balls and like pitching balls to people like so it's like oh man i totally identify with this like this is no it's, exactly it's totally me. like i'm sitting here i'm watching this and i glance over and i look and i'm like <laughs> i really like really like how my saitama character is between vegeta and goku because he's more powerful than both of them <laughs> no shit i should be watching this anime that's on my goddamn screen <laughs> that's how that's how i view it yeah, no, I get uh, that. I, I really do. And like, so I, like, I don't know if we'll end up choosing this show to watch. I will definitely watch the rest of it. hundred percent. Okay. That's but, uh, it, yeah. it's, it's slow. It, it's, it's very slow, slow, slow paced. Like, 
I just like you don't, I don't. I don't even know where it's going. Like I, I, I have ideas about like where it's going to end up, but I, I'm not really sure because it is so chill and laid back about its plot. Yeah, and they're yeah. having conversations that like probably build on their history and who they are as the character. Yes. But I, I do not care. And yeah, like the, I think it's like the second or third episode I watched where they they introduce a couple characters and. It's just like, oh, these are part of these people's friends group. But like they don't have like a big introduction. I was talking to my friend Enzo about this and like they they just get introduced. And it's like, yeah, they're an established part of the friends group. Why would the show go out of its way to like tell you exactly who they are and their whole story? Uh, they just get introduced. There's like these two guys standing out of like a convenience store. Um, by the way, the convenience store looks a lot better than the one in the convenience store, boyfriends. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> I was getting ready to ask. <laughs> I just want to say, like, actually, like I, I, I said it before, but the background art in this show is really tremendously fantastic. Like, if you take some time, like while you're chilling out and watching the show, to look at the backgrounds, like there's some gorgeous background art in this show. So uh, the animation isn't like spectacular, but it's good enough, uh, and the background art is like stellar. So, yeah, but as a story, yeah. you need. Yeah, you need you need story. more story. Like you need it to pick up. You need a story. I totally understand. And I that. feel like it lacks. So, but if you want to like relax and just like chill and maybe just like I don't know, hang around. Like this is a pretty good show. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, maybe if you need to go to sleep and then something to slightly entertain you and put the yeah. sleep. Maybe, maybe. See, I find but, I find a lot of nuances in their relationships that I can like connect to different people who I've known in my life. And so through that, I enjoy the show, but like overall it's very slow. I get it. (sighs) So you want to do King's game real quick? Yes. So we talked about this. Yeah. But you want to King's game is on control. Uh, Japanese title is Osuama game. The animation sources Nava studio seven, which has done interestingly, I can't understand what my hub, husband is saying, and Good show. my <laughs> wife is a student council president. <laughs> uh, and then you do like a gritty show like this, and director <laughs> is Tokihiro Sasaki. Only other thing he has done is Hoshi-san and Marshmallow, <laughs> which <laughs> that show was funny. <laughs> like I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, but then he's. The studio and then him have done all this stuff and they do King's Game, which is supposed to like dark and grim and like Yeah. It's not even, the show's <laughs> supposed to be messed up and like I don't even think it does well. I've read the first part of the manga mm-hmm. and it's not that good. So I'm not expecting it may be good at all. And you obviously you're not because you wrote yeah, it just it wishes. Sentences. Yeah, it wishes that it was Future Diary. Like it, it's got like people like getting orders on their cell phone to kill other people, and that's that's Future Diary. It's what it is, and it's kind of like the movie Battle Royale as well, like the live action movie Battle Royale. They even have like a photo of the whole class like standing together in the beginning of the show, and it's like that's the photo from the beginning of Battle Royale of the whole class standing together before they all kill each other. Um, and the other thing is this show very much suffers from being in the same season as Junie Tyson because Junie Tyson is another death game, but it's way more fun than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So by the way, the King's Game, if you don't know what the heck that is, it's kind of like spin the bottle, sort of, except like a more like elaborate version of that that they play in Japan. So it's like a party game where you like pass around like notes with like a number on them or something. And like you, you tell like, like one person gets to tell another person what to do, but they don't know who the person is when they're telling them what to do yet, I guess. Anyway, so, but like, that's what this show is based around the idea that like, you have to go kiss that girl. And if you don't, you'll die. Like, and so like fucking kiss her. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like just fucking kiss me. Like we're going to die. Like, but it takes a long time for the, the kids to like catch on that. Like, Oh, like all of these deaths that are starting to happen in our class are because of this game. I'm pretty sure that at the point where the guy in the park started to fucking boil, um, pools of blood and then burst <laughs> yeah. would have convinced me. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, yeah, I think something's going on here. Uh, maybe I should just kiss this stupid high school girl. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. So, yeah, it's just really dumb. Like, so I could see watching this if it was like a if you just like really dumb schlock. Like, that's all it is. It's schlock for shock. That's what I said. Shock value. Yep. Uh, but I'm not interested in reviewing this. From there's like nothing to say about this show until it's over. So yeah, I didn't watch episode two. Did you? No. <laughs> I just, <laughs> oh I, god, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Like, why would I? I heard some people talk about it, and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, it's just it was just more stuff with like you need to like touch that girl's boob or else you'll die. <laughs> it's just like who uh, cares? Okay, please let me touch your boob. Yeah, and like the, like the girl, the girl should just be like. Like okay, I guess I get it. Like, I don't want you to die, so touch my boob. Like if and she dies, also, <laughs> so fucking please touch my boob. Yeah, exactly. Like so, yeah, that would be the reaction. Like they're high school students. Like they would understand. It's no, uh, whatever. Anyway, now on to our last show in Yashiki, the last hero. You can watch this on Amazon. The uh, source is a manga, and studio is Mappa who has done awesome things like Yuri on Ice and both Rage of Bahamut's and just this insane list more. So that's awesome. Then it has two directors. The first one is Satoi Keiichi, who did both Rage of Bahamut's and Black Butler, which are two really big shows. And the second one is a guy by the name of Yabuta Shuhei, who did Parasite the Maximum. So what Which do you think? Terrible about, show. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what do you think? I mean, th- these are some big people behind this, you know, they've had. Yeah, really no, good there's hits. a big pedigree behind this show. Uh, I think it kind of shows in like how good the animation is. And uh, and it's just like a very different show. Like, I don't think most studios would even like dare adapt a show about an old man. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's just not going to happen in most studios. They're yeah, like, and I can what? really feel uh, Yabuta. <laughs> behind this because it has it's the dark undertones like parasite did yeah and yeah. i didn't know that uh watching these two episodes so when i was typing this up i was like oh this makes total sense <laughs> yeah it is very much like something he would make that makes sense yeah. yep okay so episode one ichiro inuyashiki which is our old man's name as the child suggests we're in- introduced to him uh, he's a 58 year old man who appears more like he is 95 this is very intentional. His And his life really, really sucks at the moment. He got like a bad review at work. Uh, his wife has like no respect for him at all. And the same goes for his daughter and son. 
things just progressively get worse when he goes to the hospital and finds out on top of all this other shit that's wrong with him he now has stomach cancer and probably has three months to live like even the doctor's like so unsympathetic towards him and like i was really feeling for this guy at this point i was like oh my god this poor old well not old man he looks like an old man but his life still sucks i feel really bad for him you know and like yeah, even, I know you're. I, I think the show wants you to feel bad for him, and I think most people would. But at yes. that point in the show, I was like, "This is so over the top already." <laughs> like, like everyone in his life hates him, and he has cancer, and the doctor even hates him. Like, is this like a comedy or something? <laughs> I felt like it was crazy already. I didn't. But, get, I, I didn't think it was over on. the top. But that was really good. Mm-hmm. But then he's going back home, and he like finds a dog on the street and brings her back. But like any dog, she like pooped one day on the floor and his wife yells at him when he gets back from work. And then like, so he takes the dog on a walk and they end up going to like this like open field and like he's just breaking down, just crying and shit. And the dogs, you know, they're with him. And I mean, he's, it makes perfect sense. His life is a piece of, it just sucks. It's horrible. Yeah. He looks up and he suddenly knows like another man standing next to him and the dog wanders off. And then suddenly something akin to some spaceship appears and crushes the two of them. Uh, it's doesn't it's not specifically explained what these creatures are or what's happening, but I think that's kind of cool how they did. Uh, the creatures inside are like, oh shit, we just killed two intelligent life forms, and like quickly we must uh, you know rebuild them and then get the hell out of here because we gotta go. But then one of the guys is like, we only have weaponized rebuilds or something like that. And they're like, you do it anyways. And then boom, next morning with Ichiro waking up in the field and he's noting, you know, I feel better than usual. And then like, what kills me is he goes home and like has breakfast and like nobody like even realized he was gone all night. <laughs> yeah, his family's just like, okay, whatever. I guess yeah. he was out crying by himself again. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 like he ends up going to the doctors because he knows something's weird and like baffled and even Ichiro doesn't understand what's going on himself and then he slowly starts to realize he he's actually ro- a robot now. Like he spews something out of his arm of like what he ate that day and like he actually presses a button under his chin and his head opens up and he's looking in the mirror and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And that's basically the end and the summary of no, episode okay, one. No, that's not where that episode ends though. That's not. <laughs> the episode continues on and he like goes out for like a walk at night and he comes across, there's this homeless man oh, yeah. who is living in a park. This is a hugely important part of the episode. Why did I leave this out? I don't know why you left it I out. I think it accidentally must have been deleted. I think you left it out because it is, it is the worst part of the episode <laughs> by far. Really? Yeah, absolutely. It's terrible. So these like these teenage kids are playing with fireworks in the park and they see a homeless man. So they're like, oh, let's fuck with him. And so they take all of their fireworks and just like continuously shoot them at the homeless man. <laughs> and like stuff around him starts like catching on fire. His jacket and catches shit. on fire. Yeah, and like so, it like he's like literally like praying. He's like, I hope I can see my wife and son. This this homeless man also just found out that like he can go back to his wife. Like he had made a payphone call to his wife, and, asking like, yeah. "Will you give me one last chance?" And he just made that call, and then he goes back to the park for his last night of being homeless. Yeah, I think the show does a really home. good job of making you feel sympathetic who for who you're supposed to, and then who you're also supposed to hate at the same time. More of that. Yeah, but like, too. Okay. so. 
the kids are shooting fireworks off, right? And then Inuyashiki, Ichiro, whatever, he comes to the park and he sees what's happening to this man. And at first he's like not going to get involved because he's so used to just like being a weak person and not getting involved with stuff like this. But now that he has this crazy new robot form, he decides like, hey, what can it hurt if I just go stand between these kids and this man? But the kids being like the most evil kids in the history of they, the world they may have been taking this too far <laughs> <laughs> they see him and they're like what's up with you old man and then they take out like metal baseball bats and start attacking him beat the shit like, out of him yeah like literally one of the baseball bat swings hits him right in the head which would kill probably any other person especially a person of that age so these are like murderous roving bands of teenagers <laughs> and at that point i was just like this is way over the top but like I was like oh I'm still interested in this character so I I was like interested to see the next episode so if you want to get into that all right episode two is another man's name Shishigami Hiro um Hiro is Hiro is our bad guy here and I really like this episode become really had a problem with especially a certain part but I think it was a really great episode I think it totally sets him up for being like one of the worst bad guys I have ever seen. Mm. It starts off by showing him as a very regular student and then it just slowly goes downhill with how messed up and individually he is. And I mean goes downhill and then into a mind on how fucked up he is. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. They start this off by him going to a friend's house and convincing him to go back to school. He does this by showing the guy his new powers by first killing Crow, which kind of bothers the other guy. Then they end up in an apartment store and Hero turns all the TVs to like porn. So that's kind of funny. And the other guy obviously think that's pretty funny too. Yeah, it kind of starts out funny. Like then it quickly goes downhill. Then they go to an intersection and Hero does like these hand waving movements and he's causing all the cars to just start to careen into each other, causing this huge massive traffic pileup and probably some deaths. Probably. Yeah, he's waving his hands like he's an orchestra composer and like mm-hmm. composing the death, like basically, yeah. Yeah. And at this point, the other guy is like really scared of him. And they go back to his house. And before Hero leaves, the other guy, he says, If you don't come to school, I'm going to kill you. And the other guy, like, so Hero leaves. And the other guy's like basically just slowly going crazy of what he just witnessed. Uh, it's then quickly followed up by a scene where Hero calls his mom and he gets super excited to hear his mother wants, nah, I mean, his father wants to go fishing this weekend. Like <laughs> portraying him as like another little boy. And his other friend also remembered a weird line he had when they were like in middle school where he said, Who cares if everybody else dies? You know, as long as your family and friends are still alive. Like yeah. just like how soulless this guy is. Yeah, you could write that off as being like a stupid edgy teenager at the time but now that he's older and he's thinking about like what's happening it's yeah it's like that's he's a like bad sign that may have been a warning flag <laughs> <laughs> so before i go on i want to note we're building on what hero's character is and we are not done yet like we know he's a pretty bad dude we're just gonna get worse yeah. uh he's left his other friend's house and he's like standing in the street and he spins around randomly with his hands over his eyes and then he just stops and opens them and he's like oh i'll go in that house and he just walks right in and he walks into the kitchen and the wife's standing there though i'm just calling her wife that's who she is is standing there cooking yeah. and she like looks at him she's like uh it's 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 a kind of a nice awkward scene where they're just staring at each other for a couple seconds and then she's finally like who are you and then like he says he panics and he like shoots her with his finger and it 
blows like right through her heart and he's like oh man i panicked there ah, gotta get myself under control hmm. uh so he's done there and he can hear like a father and a very young uh son like a toddler, probably toddler like basically a toddler yeah. yeah they're 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 in the bathroom and he's like playing with them it's like he's like saying frog something like that uh he walks in and he's the father's like who are you what are you doing in here and then like hero takes his finger gun again and then just like shoots the wall next to him and he's like what the heck and he's like afraid and he actually he turns his back to the guy and holds his toddler son to his chest so he, you know he can't get to him uh then like he's like is my wife already dead and hero's like yep and he like cries and stuff and like he's like wants the father to like say something like ask him a question or something like that and they just talk for a minute and like he then finally at the end of it he does something to piss hero off and hero just shoots him in the back of the head and before the next part goes on i was pretty sure the toddler was going to die i was almost sure he was going to shoot through the father and kill the toddler first but that's not what happened mm-hmm. so he shoots the father in the head you remember he has the toddler cradled in front of him and he falls forward and drowns the toddler and they animate the thrashing arms and this whole time hero is just looking on with like a blank expression and i thought you hated it but i thought this was a really good scene to just show how evil hero is so can you imagine this scene in like a live action american tv show absolutely not yeah like the show would be canceled the next day right like there would yeah, be like so a many crazy people would be outcry from it. mothers like like the religious people in down south would just like murder the like showrunner like it just would not it like would not happen on tv like even in movies like maybe in a horror movie you could maybe get away with it but i think a lot of horror movies would probably shy away from this because you don't want to show like video of a toddler thrashing for breath under their dead father's dead body father into a bathtub full of blood that their father is leaking out of his body like i understand the the willingness to like make this villain seem like incredibly evil and somebody who has to be stopped no matter what so you would have been but, fine if you didn't see the thrashing limbs i would have been fine if there was no kid mm. Like they just didn't need to have a toddler. It's just I, over the top. They didn't I, that, have to I have. I felt this like toddler. that was because I've never seen any, no bad guy be that really that bad before. So I was I was like surprised, and that's kind of why I was like. And also the scenes set up to make you feel uncomfortable and be like, "This is fucked up." That was the intention. Yeah, that's definitely the intention. I just think like it went too far for me. Like personally, I was like, "This is the definition of." too edgy in anime like way too edgy like killing babies on screen way too edgy i mean i understand like people are like oh man that's so fucking intense but i'm like nah i just don't i don't need to see that like i don't like it's not something i'm interested in seeing in my i think being animated probably helped and also yeah there's like a degree of abstraction when it's an animated thing versus the director who did parasite i mean this is pretty close into the next step for him if he wants to go farther I just don't want this war of escalation where it's like first we get like Ori Emo and then Arrow Manga Sensei and then my little little sister's all you need and then we have like you know Parasite and like Gantz and then this show and then it's gonna get even more escalated we're gonna kill like armies of babies in the next show like god I, I don't know it's just <laughs> so ridiculous I don't know but anyway that was my problem with that scene I thought it went too far but yeah and the more I th- thought about this series the more I liked it it's probably my 
number one right now. But anyways, the daughter arrives home and like finds her mother dead in the kitchen. And then Hero shows up and he basically just tortures her with how her family is now dead. And this is what I hated in the show is it has Hero really liking manga, specifically like One Piece. And he wants to talk to her about it. And like he almost gets excited. And I'm just like, what? So this is immediately going to make people think about the little girl murders and how the media showed anime manga as the man's almost motive. But really do yourself a favor and look up Sutomu Miyazaki and read the Wikipedia. This dude had way more messed up shit going on. Yeah. Have you? Do you know anything about it? Yeah, I've heard about the Miyazaki murders. Like, but yeah, like he, it clearly wasn't only like anime and manga that influenced him. No, it was his murders. entire life. Like, he had like some condition, and it, oh man, it was just super bad. It's like video games. Video games don't make people go out and commit murder. It's a psychological problem that almost always leads to that, and it's yeah. not grounded in games or like movies or other media. Like you might, they might try to copycat something that they've seen in a movie or an anime, but it's not, that's not the base reason why they're going and doing what they're doing. True. So, but, um, anyways, yeah, I'm just, I didn't like that they put that in there because somebody's going to pick up, pick it up and run with it. Just have to roll my eyes when I see it. (laughs) But anyways, Ichiro has been hearing this girl pleading for a life and he gets in his car and he tries to make it in time. And he doesn't because he gets stuck behind a bus and he arrives to find this whole gruesome scene. And then as he's standing back in the front of the house after he's walked through and seen all this fucked up shit, Hero's still there and is like, whoops, I guess there was a grandpa here too. And then shoots him and Ichiro goes down. But then Hero walks out and as he's halfway down the street, he turns around to see Ichiro standing there and he asks him, he's like, what are you? So, yeah. yeah. So that's like the big rivalry. That's like the the death note rivalry between like Light and L or something that's going to be going on, I guess, through this show is like these two like diametrically opposed people, like one who wants to use his newfound power to like save people's lives and one who wants to just use it to create destruction. And it's pretty interesting, actually, like two pretty strong characters in the beginning of the show. Um, mm-hmm. One issue I had was like, so like, yeah, Ichiro has this power to hear voices from far away. He kind of touches his ear and then it amplifies the voices. But I guess by this second episode, he's already figured out not only like how to like filter out other voices that aren't important, but also to like use that voice as like a tracking GPS to find this girl, which is kind of weird. And the the thing that was even weirder about it is that like he's driving his car and then he realizes he's too late because he can hear the girl like screaming, don't kill me. And then like she stops because she's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's not even there yet. So like once she stopped screaming, how does he continue to track her? I guess he already had an exact location somehow. Well, look, okay. I, the way they set them up becoming what they were basically yeah. set it to like, they have almost no limits to themselves. They're super, super advanced. I mean, what killed them was like, I don't know, some time traveling space alien that can completely rebuild them to machines. Yes. What is stopping them from doing anything else? So I'm not, so whenever he did that, I didn't even think once about it until he said it. Well, I'm like, well, he's 
super super duper advanced i'm sure it was very easy for him to track her <laughs> yeah i would have just liked some kind of like visualization of him getting that like learning that he has that ability like whether it's like he sees inside his head like a grid of the whole city or something and then like can hear like a sound emanating like something out of like a gotham like city game or like a batman game like mm-hmm. arkham game uh like just just something where it tells the audience like oh this is how he understands how to use this new power it kind of just came out of nowhere for me and i was like i was sitting there wondering like how is he doing this like uh, is see it, i didn't really uh, need that yeah i guess you, they kind of just skip over it and like maybe you don't need it i just found myself like mm-hmm. questioning that it seemed like a little bit of a jump of logic there well but, uh, see i didn't yeah. feel like that because i've already said it. they're just so advanced we have they're so advanced that we just have no way of fathoming what they are actually capable of. So I felt like, you know, they can get away with basically whatever they want to do. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like this show. I like the characters. I really like the, uh, the animation and the OP is really good too. I like the music and that. You told me we would not be watching it unless it was my lock. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I got really upset at that dying baby scene. Cause it's just unnecessary. Like in my opinion, but, uh, like, yeah, it's just like, I think different people have different, uh, like levels of tolerance for like bullshit like that <laughs> like and like yeah like if this is i don't know i don't know i just like i'm so not used to not seeing a scene like that and then when it shows up in an anime i'm just like eh. uh and, if there was like another show this season or three from the last two seasons then i would probably not really like it that much but since it's kind of being a one of a kind at the moment i do like yeah. it I have like an active list of like, you know, our top 10 shows as we're like trying to decide what to cover. And it is in my top 10. I will say that. Like, so it, it didn't well, like drop it out of my top 10. To, to say that, uh, I do what, know what other shows are airing this season. And I'm struggling <laughs> yeah, exactly. to hit a top 10. Yeah, there's, it's, uh, it's not great. There's, there's either, you know, whatever the my little sister show or there's just another show where i'm just like meh or black clover oh god well and on that (laughs) note before you start screaming like asta and just ruining our audience uh we should end this episode so this is the end of part one of our impressions pretty soon we'll put out video uh with part two and then like our decisions on what top 10 shows we're gonna end up watching so stay tuned for that But as always, thank you for listening. Uh, Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts or videos. And uh, follow us over on Twitter at Nerdum and Other for updates as well. Thank you very much. See you next week. Later.